With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Recorded live on June 6th, right? June 6th? Wow. Yep. <laughs> so 2016, in case somebody listens to it 20 years down the road. We're in 2016 right now. <laughs> and we're almost done. Okay. We only have we only have a couple calls left after tonight. So um, Sheila is having a little issue. My husband just drove over to her house to help her out. So she'll be joining she'll be joining the call when they're done. <laughs> um, okay. Today she's she's got and something that she needed a man for. <laughs> He went over there. He went over there with his tools to help her out. Oh. Yeah. So, and um, Gail is online. Everybody, say hi, Gail. Hi, Gail. Uh, all's well. All's well in Bellingham, Gail. Uh, hopefully, Kate will call in. She wasn't here last week. That was who I couldn't think of when I was trying to think of who was missing. It was mm-hmm. Kate. So I'm hoping she'll be here tonight. So Gail says, hi, everyone. Um, Mary sent me an email of what she posted on Facebook that she would um, like some discussion on. I can find the dang thing. Um, In the meantime, does anybody else have anything, any Burning ideas you would like to share on this week's assignment? I I marked um, 182. Is that what we started for this week? Or I don't know why. No, I, I think it. that's where we. I think that's where we ended. Didn't we end on page 182? That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's 182. I that's thinking, where we. I, I was thinking I'm really behind. <laughs> so I. I guess, I got to most of it. I didn't get all the way there, but... Awesome. Well, that's exactly the one that um, Mary requested. That's the page that caught her attention the most, I guess. So let me let me read what she wrote, and then you can throw your thoughts in, and we'll have a conversation. Does that sound all right with you? Sounds great. Okay. So she says, hello, my thoughts sporadically, her sporadic thoughts... <laughs> The last paragraph of our assignment this week, which is page 182, was a grand finale for me. Not finale like the end, but an extremely strong wow, aha. Being conscious of brewing dramas and arguments in others has improved in me to the point of preventing most of these mishaps before they peak and before I react. Pause and breathe. She puts in all caps in parentheses. No reactive force or avoiding altogether is happening more and more too. Sandy mentions the word empowering quite often. This, I found, is 
uh, a lot of highlighting and recognizing myself in parts, really good reading, lots of accomplishments are poking through. Mr. Tolley lost me during the Menzies discussion on pages what pages one sixty nine to one seventy one. I do I do I feel the same way. I do question for myself being past menopause. What about me now? I've lost my goddessness. <laughs> Curious. Looking forward again to the call. Thank you. So you know, I've passed menopause myself. And so that whole part was like, ah, this doesn't even seem to apply <laughs> to me. So, um, so anyway, we we can get to that after we talk about page 182. What? So what were your thoughts on page 182, Suzanne? Well, I'm just reading it now. I hadn't gotten to that part. Oh, I thought you said you circled something on that page. No, I said I had marked the oh, date there. Got I, it. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. No. Now, um, well, since we're on that subject, I'm just going to go ahead. Um, so that last paragraph, when you live in complete acceptance of what is, that is the end of all drama in your life. <laughs> and then, anybody who's ever actually done that, just completely and um, Suzanne, you went through successfully midair with me. So tool number mm-hmm. eight. This is what tool number eight in Successfully Midair is about. It's about complete acceptance of what is without wishing any of it was different. And there's so much freedom in that, and there's no drama. There's no drama. If you can completely accept it, then there's no room for drama. There's no place for it. It just it can't, can't exist in that space. Um, he says, nobody can even have an argument with you, no matter how hard he or she tries. You cannot have an argument with a fully conscious person. <laughs> an argument implies identification with your mind and a mental position, as well as resistance and reaction to the other person's position. The result is that the polar opposites become mutually energized. These are the mechanics of unconsciousness. You can still make your point clearly and firmly, but there will be no reactive force behind it, no defense or attack, so it won't turn into drama. When you are fully conscious, you cease to be in conflict. No one who is at one with himself can even conceive of conflict, states A Course in Miracles. This refers not only to conflict with other people, but more fundamentally to conflict within you which ceases when there is no longer any clash between the demands and expectations of your mind and what is. And that was, um, that was my experience. That, that, I've had that experience more than once, but that was, that was probably the main thing that happened during those last nine months in that last relationship was I was, was becoming more and more conscious and more and more willing to just accept whatever was going on as what it was, and that didn't give him anything to push against. So mm-hmm. he was, conti- and so the difference between that and what Mr. Tolley's saying here is, he flipped out because he was continually, Tim flipped out because he was continually off balance because I was no longer giving him what he needed, while I at the same time was 
applying this concept to his flipping out, saying, thank you for another opportunity to practice. Um, and that's what got me good, at, good enough at it to leave. Um, but this, what he's saying here, you can do it anywhere. You can do it. I find myself, since, I've, since we've been doing this work, I find myself applying this idea at work. There's one particular person at work who is unhappy. She's an unhappy person, and she lets everybody know it, and she has no idea that she's coming across that way. Um, and so I, rather than, cause it used to irritate the crap out of me because I don't want to listen to that all day. I don't want to listen to that all day. Now I barely notice it anymore because it just, like, flows right on by because I'm not resisting it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. So, any thoughts, Lee? Do you have any thoughts on that? No, not right now. No. Okay. You, you know, Sandy, when you started reading that part um, about accepting everything, it, it occurred to me there's some people that their whole dialogue is about disagreeing with everything. You know, like every critical of everything, um, making fun of, you know, what's being said and putting things down. It's just, it's like constant, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's their communication. It's what makes them alive. They're always reacting to whatever is around. And, um, you know, it's just like the total opposite. Um, it's difficult to be around that. I applaud you for saying that you can let it just go breathing by you, you know. It's, well, I'm, I'm not perfect at it, but it, it, I'm getting better. I'm not quite to the point where I'm saying thanks for this opportunity to practice <laughs> because it would be a relief not to have to practice. Um, yeah, right. How, however, you know, I do know what to do, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's getting easier for me to catch myself when I am resisting and wishing she would just shut the hell up. You know, oh, look at me. I, here I am. I'm sitting here in my cube judging another person who clearly is not happy in her life. And how does that serve? It doesn't serve her. It doesn't serve me. So I'm just not going to resist it anymore. I'll put my headphones in and, and continue on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the headphones. put the headphones in. Somehow excuse ourselves from needing to engage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I find that very, very tiresome, you know, to um, be in the company of somebody who is that way. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm in my second week now of my Facebook fast. Oh, yeah. And, and I am a lot less stressed out <laughs> since I'm okay. no longer since I'm no longer in Facebook, seeing all of the reactive stuff that goes on there and and feeling sucked in, you know, taking a deliberate step back from Facebook is is really a positive thing to do, especially if for anyone who find who feels like they're drowning in it, which is that's the point I get to. It's like, oh my God, I'm drowning in this. This is horrible. It's time for me to 
climb out of the pool. Um, it's very refreshing to just step away and let let it be what it is. And I'm getting a lot done <laughs> now. <laughs> Wait, what was the last? You started laughing, and I missed the last thing you said. I said I'm getting a lot done now. Oh, you're getting yes, yes. Oh, I have to go rescue a dog who's having a stressful moment. Okay. So I'll take you with me. Take your take your time. (laughs) No, I got it. (laughs) Jumping over things. Come here, buddy. Come on. Poor little dog stresses when Rick's not here. Oh. Oh, I'll just let him sit behind me in my chair where he's been all day till Dad gets home. <laughs> sit down, little one. Sit down. Good boy. Okay, onward. So <laughs> that yes, that is a a powerful um, paragraph to be, and it's, you know, I think all of this stuff is applicable. You know, it's practicable. It's it's stuff that you can really apply as necessary, as needed to, if if you're having an experience of a circumstance that you're not enjoying, open this book randomly. And you'll find something that can be applied that can give you some ease. That, that's that's how I use it, you know. Um, I, and I think it's meant to be used in whatever way um, works best for the person who's using it. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? She wanted to talk about the menstruation thing. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, it's, I, I don't have all that much to say on the subject. Um, I, I felt like, from, you know, from the beginning of that segment on, where he's talking about the differences between men and women, he does say somewhere that, you know, well, it's not true in some situation, it's reversed, but, you know, a lot of uh, women, this, men, that. Um, well, how, how how things changed in our cultures when the mind took over, mm-hmm. humans lost touch of the reality of their divine essence. They started to think of God as a male figure. And that's probably very possible. Um, yeah. Um, the energy frequency of the mind appears to be essentially male. I so agree with that. I don't, and I, I don't know if that's just because I'm a female. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, I agree with that statement um, because it seems mind stuff seems more masculine you know I don't know I, I, I don't know how to articulate it um, in a way that would probably make sense 
So, um, let's see. Uh, oh, man. So wait, but man. Huh? Men, uh, you know, cavemen were like the, the men were the hunter-gatherers, so they're like really more focused, which is, I guess, more mental. And yeah. women had to always be multitasking because they're taking care of kids and right. So they had to be the over the fire. Yeah, they had to be the nurturers. The nurturers. You can't, yeah. you can't do all that just with your mind. You've got to be doing it with their heart and everything, all working at the same time. You know, right. less less totally mental focus. So. In that respect, I guess I can agree, you know, that that's true. And typically, I, I guess I have a problem with saying men are this way men, and women are di- different, but um, typically men are less What if you um, took it to, uh, what if you took it rather than saying men, men and women, took it to masculine and feminine? Like the energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that works, that, that works better for me because yeah, I know I know some men that are, who are very feminine, right? And I know right. some I know some women who are very masculine. So, um, got it. I I I can definitely go along with that better because that's the thing that so many men and women are very very different as far as mm-hmm. how they function. Um. Yeah, let's, if I think of it as the masculine, feminine energy, that makes a lot more sense. Awesome. And awesome. So, um, I, is that me talking? Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't been, had much to say about, like, menstrual cycles and stuff like that because <laughs> never had one. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I can uh, chime in slightly on... on just what we're talking about now, if I may. Uh-huh. Okay. The, um, the, I, I like the reference of the male and female or masculine and masculine, feminine, because it refers to the, both the two sides of the brain even. You know, the, the right side of the brain is considered the, the female and right. the left side is the male. And so, and, and the most primitive part of the brain is the fight or flight, which, you know, a lot of animals have that and, you know, humans, some humans have that that they kind of process with. So that was sort of the, uh, that's a great, that's a great way for me to look at it because I'm, I've become a little touchy feely over my lifetime. You know, I was, I grew up trying to be tough guy. And then I, I, the more I became conscious, the more touchy feely I became. And, mm. you know, uh, Jill Bolte Taylor that we, you, I said her name wrong last time you corrected me, her, mm-hmm. her book, the, my stroke of insight. When she, when she had her stroke, she talked about oh, yeah. being in the right hemisphere, remember? And, mm-hmm. and living, processing in the right hemisphere and then allowing when she started recovering she started you know regaining files and and remembering files and she decided which one she wanted to stay with and some of them were those masculine kind of in this reference masculine kind of uh, characteristics where it's it's more linear linear more judgmental and and you know argumentative and and that type of thing and she referenced she's a brain scientist so she she referenced it as male female so I think this is a really good way to, for me at least, to comprehend, you know. Awesome. That, that, that way, yeah. Oh, cool. Thank you for bringing that up because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone there. So I'm, I appreciate that. You're welcome. 
I'm not going to have any comments about menstrual cycles, though. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> I really would rather not myself because it doesn't, doesn't apply to me. <laughs> um, although I do, you know, I I didn't have... I didn't have a hard time during those with with that when I was still when I was still having periods I they weren't that hard on me I I didn't have that whole PMS thing and and all that so um, and some people don't but what he says here about the pain body it's interesting because I can I can witness it you know I can. I can see, like, um, I have a daughter, um, and and I can see the pain body at work in her, and she is completely oblivious that it's, you know, she she believes that it's that it's the period. She believes that it's the menstruation, that it's a fact of life, that it's something that she can't do anything about, and and. Um, and she's not open to have you know any sort of com- conversation about doing it differently because she feels like she's a victim of it, and that's where she's at right now. But it's interesting to me reading this and applying it to interactions with her when she's having that issue um, and recognizing, oh, oh, okay, I I, I guess I can sort of understand um, and, the, and the whole what, the mass consciousness and mass female consciousness of pain body you know because of what men have done to women saying I I must admit I I, I, I blew right through that part I, I just can't connect I can't connect in it so <clears throat> Maybe it's not for me too. It's not. I really don't have anything to say about it because I don't. I don't know if I don't get it, or if it doesn't. You know, if it's not something that I have a belief about. It does. That's how it feels. It feels like I don't have that belief that it's a mass consciousness women thing um, that I'm that I tap into because I, I just don't feel it. So, um, so Mary, I think you're not alone um, with being lost through that section uh, because I feel like I'm right there with you. Um, Although there's a page on the page, there's a sentence on page 170 that I have circled and highlighted. And it says, any emotion that you take your presence into will quickly subside and become transmuted. Um, And that is useful to me. I find that sentence very useful, something that I can do. It's an action I can take within my own self. If I'm having an emotional reaction, I've been doing it, in fact, all weekend um, because I... My internet went out on Friday, and I did not have, for three days, I did not have the internet. Mm. And and it was a nice um, challenge to not freak out about it, which is 
you know, I I could tell every time my mind started to go there, ah, what if, you know, what if it doesn't come back in time for the for the call? You know, that was my main concern yesterday when I still didn't have the Internet. It was like, well, crap. Um, I can't talk to you. doesn't work on my phone to record the calls. And, it, and I, so I tried it on my tablet, and it doesn't work on my tablet. I'm like, well, crap. Um, so I, I did set up a free conference call line just in case I still didn't have my Internet, so we would at least have a line to call into um, that I would be able to record. So, you know, solution-level thinking there. But this whole weekend has been, like, all about catching myself in that emotion of whether anger or frustration, a lot of frustration. Frustration is usually what showed up. And then being present and deliberately noticing when I was in that feeling of frustration and bringing the feeling of presence right into it and it would go away just like that. And I've been doing it. It's been a great weekend. I have had, even though I had no internet, and the internet is, you know, necessary for me. I it it messes with my income when I don't have the internet, um, and I have all this work that it needs to be done, and I need to be online to do it. And and I didn't allow the frustration around that to take control of how I experienced my weekend. And this particular sentence was something that I that I used deliberately. Okay, I'm, here's that emotion again, a time to bring some presence into it, and it goes away immediately. It's, I highly recommend it as a practice, if you can remember to do it. That's, that's the hardest part. The hardest part about any of this, I think I've said this before, is remembering to do it in the moment that you need it. <laughs> that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest time to think of it. Why do you need it? But that's the best time to. That's actually the only time to practice. Because because you know you can't you can't create a new habit if you never have to choose it deliberately. So this that's how I took it. That's how I used it this weekend. Okay, look at me creating a new habit. Another opportunity to get more solid in my new habit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, what else? Let's see. Oh, I like the, the uh, at the at the bottom of page one seventy two. Um, can, can I chime in really quick about the habit? Absolutely. Yes, please. Okay. Um, you guys probably know who Ogmandino is. Uh, yes. I uh, love Ogmandino. Great guy. He has something called the Ten Scrolls, and the very first, I just started doing this yesterday. It was my first day with him, and he do one scroll a day for thirty days. And so it's a 10-month deal. And the very first habit, or the very first one has to do with habits. That's why I'm bringing it up. I need to look at my note real quick. And, whoops. And, um, and find it. Let's see. I wasn't prepared for that kind of Okay. The very first one is... Um, I will form good habits and become their slave. And the reason he says that I will become, I will form good habits and become their slave, is because he says that we are a slave to our habits. 
mm-hmm. and our habits and our habits have already been formed. We have we have a bunch of them. We they formed over time, right? So we're going to be a slave to them anyway because ninety five percent of what we do we do unconsciously, right. subconsciously through the subconscious. So um, I just I don't know. That's kind of all. Uh, just just having a creating that that worked for me. When I, I just watched this yesterday or the day before on YouTube, and and um, he was talking about having our, our we're being a slave to our habits so we're going to be as human nature apparently according to him so to if we're going to be a slave to habits we should probably create some good ones <laughs> <laughs> here here right. i'm writing i'm writing it down I, I will form new habits and become their slave that's it right yeah that's really cool yeah if you want to look it up it's just the, the 10 scrolls it's in the greatest salesman in the world book that he did ah he does a whole YouTube series on it from 1990. It's amazing. And that's Augmandino. The Augster. Cool. Thank you. Something fun to practice. Something, a new fun way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll get into the practice and let you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Me too. Um. Okay. Wow, this hour is going quickly. Um, at the bottom of page 172, let's see, where does he start talking about the ocean? Oh, the whole world seems like waves or ripples on the surface of a vast and deep ocean. You are that ocean, and of course, you are also a ripple. Okay, wait. What page are you on? 172. Um, Okay, so you are that ocean, and of course you are also a ripple, but a ripple that has realized its true identity as the ocean, and compared to that vastness and depth, the world of waves and ripples is not all that important. Um, And I wrote down... Something I mean I and I must have written this in 2011 when I did this study before, um, because I, it's not a new it's not something new that I wrote down but I loved it when I saw it. What I wrote was what does the ocean know that the wave can know if it chooses present awareness. Mm. And that just feels profound to me what does the ocean because the ocean knows everything in this analogy the ocean is all-knowing you know because mm-hmm. he's talking about god you know omniscient omnipresent omnipotent um all-knowing all that is so what does the ocean know that the wave can know if it chooses present awareness that's the whole that's the whole trick to all of this is being willing to choose present awareness because that's where all of our answers are. That's where all of the real answers are is in present awareness. When we're in present awareness, we're tapped in. As Abraham says, we're tuned in, tapped in, turned on to that all-knowingness that is God or being or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Colette Baron-Reed called it the quantum Fred. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to bring that up because it just feels big to me. Um, 
like that. Ah, and on page 174, the last sentence of the top paragraph, or last two sentences, but you always get another chance, of course. Acute unhappiness can be a great awakener. And I find that so true. Mm-hmm. I'm much more, I'm much more um, motivated to do this work when I'm being pushed by my pain. Right. To do it. So I I tend to you know, I can be going along and then dropping down, down, down. I, I kind of equate myself sometimes with like a snowball going down a hill and you know, my pain my pain. <laughs> it's like it gets to the bottom and then it's like sort of bounces oh. a little bit. Yeah, time to do some work now. Uh, and I'm, you know, cheerleader. I was like, okay, let's yeah. do what we already know how to do. Mm-hmm. Start. Oh, oh, Gail has something. I uh, love the paragraph right after it. Right after what? After. Oh, oh. Uh, I believe she's talking about after the waves and ripples. Okay. Um, uh, so she says on page 173, this does, okay, so after, compared to that vastness and depth, the world of waves and ripples is not all that important. So here's what the paragraph she's talking about. This does not mean that you don't relate deeply to other people or to your partner. In fact, you can relate deeply only if you are conscious of being. Coming from being, you are able to focus beyond the veil of form. In being, male and female are one. Your form may continue to have certain needs, but being has none. It is already complete and whole. If those needs are met, that is beautiful. But whether or not they are met makes no difference to your deep inner state. So it is perfectly possible for an enlightened person, if the need for the male or female polarity is not met to feel a sense of lack or incompleteness on the outer level of his or her being, yet at the same time be totally complete, fulfilled, and at peace within. That goes, that speaks to, there's another place. In this, oh yeah, on page 177. That's a um, lot to take in that what you just read. It's like, it is. I'm like reading back over that, that last sentence is a long one. It is. It was hard to read out loud. If the need um, for the male or female polarity is not met. What does that even mean? Okay, so the question well read the question at the beginning of the of the section. When one is fully conscious, would one still have a need for a relationship? Would a man still feel drawn to a woman? Would a woman still feel incomplete without a man? So that's the question that he's answering. So it is perfectly possible for an enlightened person, if the need for the male or female polarity is not met, to feel a sense of lack or incompleteness on the outer level of his or her being, yet at the same time be totally complete, fulfilled, and at peace within. Okay. Even if there's no, he can be totally complete without. Yes. Yep. Having a relationship. 
mm-hmm. basically. That was yeah. yeah. So yeah, you yeah. got to get it into context when it's that, yeah. and that yeah. much information. <laughs> okay. So and that and that takes me to page one seventy seven. The that top sentence: happiness depends on conditions being perceived as positive. Inner peace does not. Yes. Seems right in line with with what the paragraph that we were just reading. Happiness depends on conditions being perceived as positive. Inner peace does not. And I'm I've already talked enough about that whole domestic violence thing and but choosing peace was what I did. And I was able to choose peace in that, even in the midst of a beating. I was able to really tap into that inner peace. He couldn't touch it. He could, Mary says, there's, um, hang on a second, Gail, I see your text. Um, there's a part of each one of us that is untouched by circumstance. And to me, that means, that is a, a, a description of my personal inner peace. It's the part of me that is untouched by circumstance. Circumstance can't do shit. Can't ruffle it, can't make it feel bad, can't, you know, can't, that has no power to make it feel anything other than peaceful. It's the part of me that's untouched by circumstance. And that's what he's talking about here. So happiness, yeah, there are things in my life that I could wish were different. Um, um, and it would make me happy. It would make me happy to move pa- back to the Pacific Northwest. It would make me happy to not be a drafter anymore. But my inner peace does not depend on those things happening. So, okay, Gail says... Page on 173. Is, did I read the right part, Gail? He says, this is where I want to be. I have to recognize I have resistance of letting go of someone who I no longer resonate with and to be this, to be peaceful within me. Oh, Sheila's here. Hello? Hello. It was major surgery, but it worked. Did it work? We got it to work, yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Hey. <laughs> I'm glad we live so close to you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> so we're in the middle of a conversation. You can jump right in. Did I you have anything? Did you have anything, Sheila, from this from this reading that you wanted to that you wanted to touch on? Uh, not yet. Let me hear a little bit more first. Okay, Gail says, can you talk about 178, 179, resistance allowing acceptance and forgiveness? Today I recognized I was still resistant to what is, and I had to let, <laughs> she's not done typing, it hasn't popped up yet. Um, 178, 179. Ooh, these are like my two favorite pages in the whole entire book. They're the only pages that have green on them. (laughs) Um, Okay. Today I recognized I was still resistant to what is and I had to let die and it's okay. 
um, resistance allowing acceptance forgiveness. So, okay, all right. I'm just going to read this paragraph. Page 178, seen from a higher perspective, conditions are always positive. To be more precise, they are neither positive nor negative. They are as they are. And when you live in complete acceptance of what is, which is the only sane way to live, there is no good or bad in your life anymore. There is only a higher good, which includes the bad, quote, unquote. Seen from the perspective of the mind, however, there is good, bad, like, dislike, love, hate. Hence, in the book of Genesis, it is said that Adam and Eve were no longer allowed to dwell in paradise when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, And then the question, the questioner says, this sounds to me like denial and self-deception. When something dreadful happens to me or someone close to me, accident, illness, pain of some kind, or death, I can pretend that it isn't bad, but the fact remains that it is bad, so why deny it? And Mary, when you listen to this recording, uh, you might think of the altercation. Was it an altercation? It felt like an altercation between me and Dawn on Facebook. Um, So this is where I was coming from and what I was trying to help her to see differently from, you know, because she's really struggling with what she's struggling with. So a little aside for Mary there. Um, So I can pretend it isn't bad, but the fact remains that it is bad, so why deny it? And he says, I love this. I freaking love this. You are not pretending anything. You are allowing it to be as it is. That's all. This allowing to be takes you beyond the mind with its resistance patterns that create the positive-negative polarities. It is an essential aspect of forgiveness. Forgiveness of the present is even more important than forgiveness of the past. If you forgive every moment, allow it to be as it is, then there will be no accumulation of resentment that needs to be forgiven at some later time. That's exactly what I was doing all weekend long with CenturyLink. Forgiveness of the moment. Forgiveness in the moment. Forgiveness of the present is what he says. Um, that's, this was something that I was practicing deliberately with regard to not having the internet and having my mind want to freak out because I didn't have the internet. And I wanted to be angry with CenturyLink and I wanted to feel resentment towards CenturyLink for messing with my 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 income and my ability to get thing, the things done that I needed to get done, that I quote unquote needed to get done this weekend and on and on and on. I did a lot of this forgiveness of the present um, through the weekend. Um, he says, remember that we are not talking about happiness here. For example, when a loved one has just died or you feel your own death approaching, you cannot be happy. It is impossible. But you can be at peace. There may be sadness and tears, but provided that you have relinquished resistance underneath the sadness, you will feel a deep serenity, a stillness, a sacred presence. This is the emanation of being. This is inner peace, the good that has no opposite. Or the part of you that 
is untouched by circumstance, as Mary says. Um, Gail, 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 Gail. Um, I had to allow feeling love for someone and not being able to be with them. I was fighting letting it go and resisting what is. I had to forgive myself, my love, and God for not giving me the love I wanted, but giving me the lesson I needed instead, and in that I could forgive. Nicely stated, Gail. Good job. And then lovingly be present with what is. And I felt that stillness, the sacredness in this experience. That is a great word. That's a great word because it really is a sacred space when you tap into it deliberately, knowing what you're doing, and doing it deliberately, recognizing it as the sacred, there's so much power in that. Thank you, Gail. Um, my dog. Take your dog. Can you get him? Yeah. Come here, pooch. <laughs> Thank <Okay>. you. <laughs> um, so thank you for bringing it up, Gail. That was really good. What else? Um, the next, so what if it's, just to continue on, what if it's a situation that I can do something about? How can I allow it to be and change it at the same time? He says, do what you have to do. In the meantime, accept what is. Since mind and resistance are synonymous, Acceptance immediately frees you from mind dominance and thus reconnects you with being. As a result, the usual ego motivations for doing, fear, greed, control, defending, or feeding the false sense of self will cease to operate. An intelligence much greater than the mind is now in charge, and so a different quality of consciousness will flow into your doing. the the that's my green spot that's I have a big huge note along the side of that paragraph that says study this with a bunch of exclamation points um, and then the very next sentence is something that I wanted to bring up in this conversation accept whatever comes to you woven in the pattern of your destiny for what could more aptly fit your needs Marcus Aurelius said that and, and I think it's profound. Accept whatever comes to you woven in the pattern of your destiny for what could more aptly fit your needs. That, that one, the one of two things that Wayne Dyer said to me when I talked to him on the phone is, was right along those lines. He said to me, you have every single thing you need right now in this moment. What's my proof? My proof is You have every single thing you need right now in this moment. And I didn't understand it when he said it to me in 2006, but I got it in 2011 when it it came up when I was that day. And those of you who've read Successfully Me There know what I'm talking about. Um, um, You have every single thing you need right now in this moment. Um, there's There's a woman named... Rachel Naomi Remen, who, I don't know if she wrote a book. Or, I just remember Mary talking about it. She, when she was about seven, the family would get together and do a, um, 
puzzles, you know, like the 1,500-piece puzzles, 1,000-piece puzzles. And she was a little kid, and she would see these weirdly shaped, dark uh, puzzle pieces, and it would scare her. And she would take them, and she would hide them in various places throughout the house (laughs) because they were scary to her. And then the puzzle would be almost completed, and there would be these holes where those pieces would were supposed to go. And her parents would say, Naomi, um, where are the puzzle pieces? And she would go get them. And as they would insert the puzzle pieces where they belonged in the puzzle, she could see that the dark, scary pieces were necessary for the puzzle to be complete. Oh. And I, I always loved that story. And it goes right along with this whole, you know, because when he, he says, accept whatever comes to you woven in the pattern of your destiny, I visualize a tapestry. Whenever I read that sentence, I visualize a tapestry, intricately sewn and beautifully created and, you know, accept whatever comes to you woven in the pattern of your destiny for what could more aptly fit your needs. The dark stuff is every bit as important as the light stuff because without the dark stuff, you can't even see the light stuff. It's, you can't even see it. There's no, there's no contrast. You've got to have contrast. Sheila, you're a photographer. Yeah. How important, how important is contrast? Very important. So just a couple of different ways to look at it. Gail. Um, what did she say? Uh, I felt the stillness, the sacredness in this experience and not trying to change the other person and try to force them out. <laughs> Good job, Gail. Um, not trying to change the other person and not trying to force them out of their unconsciousness. You cannot force another person to be conscious. You can't. It just doesn't work. <laughs> it has to be their choice. You can't force them to do it, and you can't do it for them. Believe me, I've tried more than once. I've tried, and and it just doesn't work. It doesn't work out. It's painful. It's painful for everybody when you try to do it that way. Um, what else? Anything else, Sheila? Do you have anything now? Uh, no, I, I. Uh... I when I was reading the part on well actually I do on um oh gosh one seventy eight to one seventy nine mm-hmm. about uh when a loved one has died mm-hmm. death approaching you cannot be happy, it is impossible, but you can be at peace. And I did experience that and you know what I went through and um with my granddaughter. Right. And and I did experience that. And um and I think it might have been harder if it had been sudden, but it wasn't. And so I was already at peace knowing about it. Mm-hmm. And and um and I felt um I, I did feel a sacred presence and I think of her all the time. And I talk to her all the time. <laughs> so it 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 was great. It really was. Thank you because you serve as living proof of the truth of that statement that he put in here. You, you know, yeah. you can be at peace no matter what's going on in the outer, you know, in the wind, in the waves. 
Yeah. I don't think you were here for the ocean conversation, but, you know, no matter what's going on in the waves, the ocean is always at peace. Yeah. Deep down. So, cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I think we're, we're almost at the end of the hour. Um, well, just to go back to that one subject, what we perceive as evil from our limited perspective is actually part of the higher good that has no opposite. Just to continue on that vein. This, however, does not become true for you except through forgiveness. Until that happens, Mary, going back to you know what happened on Facebook, until that happens, evil has not been redeemed and therefore remains evil. True forgiveness, which essentially means recognizing the insubstantiality of the past and allowing the present moment to be as it is, the miracle of transformation happens not only within but also without. A silent space of intense presence arises both in you and around you. Whoever enters that field of consciousness will be affected by it, sometimes visibly and immediately, sometimes at deeper levels with visible changes appearing at a later time. People like Gandhi and Mother Teresa had profoundly had that. Um, you dissolve discord, heal pain, dispel unconsciousness without doing anything simply by being and holding that frequency of intense presence. And um, I would be willing to bet that, that I was actually doing some of that during every prison visit I've ever made because I think, think a lot of it has to do with expectation and a lot of it has to do with your ability to be at peace no matter what's going on outside of you. Um, and every single time I w- went, traveled the entire state of Arizona, walking into the prisons and talking to the inmates, and it was always a wonderful experience. And I think a lot of that had to do with who I was being as I was walking into the prison. And they were able to pick up on that. That's always how it felt. So um, um, I think I have a limited a limited um, perception, a limited understanding of what he means here. Um, But I love his definition of forgiveness. I'm glad you came to this page. Because it essentially means recognizing the insubstantiality of the past and allowing the present moment to be as it is. What a great definition of forgiveness. That's something that we can use. What page was that again? Page 180. Okay. So um, we're we're about at the end of the hour. So I think I'm going to, unless somebody has some something burning, some burning thing that you would like to share. Um, get to my scale. They only get mad at you when you try to make somebody be conscious. They only get mad at you. That is so true. <laughs> um, okay, so the assignment for next week, 
beginning on page 182, Impermanence and the Cycles of Life, through the first paragraph on page 191. The last sentence is, use it as a kind of signal that reminds you to be more present. And I believe he's talking about negativity. I I believe that's what he's talking about. Use negativity as a kind of signal that reminds you to be more present. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what he's talking about. So that's the first section. And the second one is pick up where we left off on page 191 and read through the first paragraph on page 202. The last sentence is you eliminate unconsciousness from the world. Um, And I will pop into Facebook to post this information there. Uh, I will also, as soon as I'm done here, I'll click send and this email will go out. So everybody will have it. Um, as always, there's a link to PayPal in there. If you feel called to throw some dollars my way, it would be gratefully appreciated. Um, and uh, thanks for joining me, everybody. I always love it when there's a bunch of us on the call um, and some nice conversation. And because everybody, we we each contribute from our own, from where we are, and and it just makes for a a rich, deep conversation. So thank you, all of you, for participating. Um, and it's yeah. now, it's uh, time to end. So I will talk to you. Well, Sheila, I'll see you tomorrow. Um, yep. And uh, everybody else, I'll talk to you next Monday. Have a fantastic week. Um, thank you. All thank right. You. All right. I love you all. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.